started going to the run, we just couldn't get stops and we were scoring the ball, we were scoring a drop. Just the momentum kind of flip flop. They gave, we gave them life. Um, they had a lot of energy. They feel like they could win the games, a close game. So I think that's when it, when, it, when it shifted. Obviously, we couldn't score the ball, we couldn't get stops, couldn't get a stop, and that was that pretty much flipped out that momentum for them. I think we, we've been playing well, just in spurts, it just it just kills us. Um, you know, obviously we were playing, we was playing well the whole game through the third quarter and. You know, the fourth quarter, we started missing shots, we couldn't get a stop, and they got them right back into the game. And, um, you know, those are moments that, you know, you can't have, and that's, you know, especially, you know, we want to be a great team, and, and you know, we want to win, we want a championship. I think this was, that's what needs to be done. Hey, Rip City, this is Greg Brown III, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdo. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 9 of The Briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall, and this is your podcast, semi-updated about all things Rip City and beyond. That was Anthony Simons talking about Portland's loss to the Clippers Tuesday night, a 118-112 loss to the Clippers in a game that Portland probably should have won and probably feels pretty bad about not being able to get considering how many players the Clippers had out, and the fact that Portland had, at one point in time, an 18-point lead, evaporated through the second half. Portland ended up dropping that one, as I mentioned, by six. We'll talk a little bit about that and more on this edition of The Briefcase. So let's start out as we always do by taking a quick look at where the Blazers are at in the standings. After getting off to a 9-3 start, Portland has lost their last two, six of their last seven, and seven of their last ten games. To make matters worse, the Blazers are just four and five at Moda Center this season. Typically accustomed to seeing Portland play very well at home, have struggled a bit at home this year for various reasons, but the fact of the matter is they're not winning at home as often as they usually do, and that's something they've relied upon throughout the years. With Tuesday's loss, the Blazers are now 7th in the Western Conference. The point differential has dipped into negative category for the first time this season. It's not negative by much, it's negative .09, but that does make them the only team in the top 10 in the West with a negative point differential, though the Clippers are right there at 0.0. And if you just think about the games the Blazers have played this season, that makes a lot of sense why the point differential would be slightly negative as of right now. They haven't really gotten blown out in any games, and they haven't really blown any teams out in any games. They've played a lot of close games. And when you play a lot of those close games and you lose some of those close games, it really does affect your point differential on a game-to-game basis. And the reason that's important is debatable, but many will tell you that a team's point differential is a better indication of how good of a team they are than their actual win-loss record. The win-loss is what everything else is based on, so that's probably the more important part, but if you're just trying to get a general idea of the health of a team at a time, regardless of whether they're getting wins and losses, point differential is a decent way to do that. In other statistical news that's also not great for the Portland Trail Blazers, Blazers are now 15th in offensive rating. They were 14th the last time we checked in at 112 points scored per 100 possessions, which is actually a little bit better than last time we checked. It's just the other teams around them have caught up. That puts Portland in between the 76ers in 15th and the Timberwolves in 17th. But the real issue, as I'm sure you've noticed if you've been watching games, is a steep drop in Portland's defensive rating. Portland is now 21st in defensive rating. They were 8th just a week ago. Again, they were 8th in defensive rating a week ago. They are now 21st in defensive rating at 112.9 points allowed per 100 possessions, with the Grizzlies ahead of them in 20th and the Warriors right behind them in 22nd. And I think we saw on Tuesday night's loss to the Clippers that if the Blazers still had a defense that they could rely on to be as good as it had been early in the season, you can maybe get away with winning that Clipper game, even though they weren't able to hit shots in the fourth quarter. But if you're defending as the 21st best defensive team in the NBA, when your offense fails you, you can't rely on your defense, as we've known throughout the years Portland. And when that happens, bad things typically happen in the fourth quarter. As I mentioned a moment ago, Portland's net rating is now negative 0.9, which ranks them 20th. 
In regards to the Portland Trailblazers betting market, the Blazers are now 13-7 and versus the spread this season, which is still one of the best marks in the NBA, actually. However, they have failed to cover in both losses to the Nets. The line on that game was Nets minus 8, and the Blazers lost by 14. And to the Clippers, Portland was actually favored by 4 points in that game and ended up losing by 4 points, and they have now not covered in 6 of their last 8 games. And they're still looking good to make their season over 39.5 wins this season, but obviously have slowed down quite a bit since the hot start that they got off to this season. All right, let's go ahead and put a bow on the Tuesday's loss to the Clippers, which some would argue is probably the worst of the season so far for Portland. 118-112 loss to Clippers at Moda Center despite leading by as many as 18 points in the third quarter. Clippers were playing without Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, John Wall, and Luke Kennard, though they got a boost from former Trailblazer Norman Powell, who outscored the entire Blazers roster 22-7 in the fourth quarter to secure the victory, most points that a Clipper player had scored in the fourth quarter in over 20 years. Glad you're doing well, Norm. Just wish it could have been against somebody else. Same thing with our good friend Robert Covington. Also had a very nice game in that one, as you assumed they would. Anthony Simons led Portland in that game with 37 points on 13-24 shooting, though he's really bottled up in the fourth quarter by another former beloved trailblazer, Nicholas Batum. Had a nice conversation with both Nick and Damian Lillard before Tuesday night's game, by the way. Good stuff there. Jeremy Grant went for 32 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals, and 2 blocks though he fouled out in 38 minutes, and that's really when things started to go bad for Portland. Shorthanded as they are, they really rely on Jeremy to provide both scoring and defense. Jeremy very adept at providing both, and once he went out late in the fourth quarter, you really didn't feel good about Portland's chances at that point. So with Grant disqualified and Simons bothered by Batum's length, someone else needed to step up to provide scoring in the fourth, and at least on Tuesday night, no one else was up to that task. A lot of guys were injured in that game as well, so guys probably weren't at their best. And they were playing the first game after a long road trip, which is never a good one for the home team typically. Portland ended up being outscored 36-17 to in the fourth quarter, and that pretty much tells you everything you need to know about how the way that game went. Though regardless of whatever issues they had, that's a game Portland probably should have won. In other more positive news, his team recalled forward Greg Brown on Tuesday from the Ontario Clippers, which, as you might have guessed, is the NBA G League team of the Los Angeles Clippers. In five appearances, including one start with Ontario, Greg Brown 3 averaged 12.0 points and 1.6 blocks in 20.3 minutes per game. Lawmer, who covers the Clippers for The Athletic, has a really good story about Greg's experience in Ontario, which if you have an athletic subscription, go ahead and check that out. But unfortunately, and historically not surprisingly, injuries have become the big issue for the Portland Trailblazers so far this season. 20 games into the season and injuries starting to pile up for the Portland Trailblazers. Everyone's always dealing with something, that's just the nature of playing in the NBA. But the severity of those injuries seems like it's starting to catch up with the Trailblazers. Consider. It's been 10 days since the team announced that Damian Lillard had suffered a grade 1 strain to the soleus muscle in his right lower leg and that he would be reevaluated in 1-2 to two weeks. So again, it's been 10 days since I said he would be reevaluated in 1-2 to two weeks. Chris Haynes reported on the TNT broadcast Tuesday night that Dame was targeting a return on Sunday's game versus the Pacers at Moda Center, though that decision is ultimately up to the team's health and performance staff. I would also have pegged that game versus the Pacers as the most likely return for Damian, though for me, that's really more about the earliest I would expect Dame back, not necessarily when I would expect Dame back. I think there's probably a pretty good chance he does play in that game. But again, when it comes to injuries, tough to tell sometimes. Though it's not tough to tell that this team is much better with Damian Lillard in the lineup than without him. Dame has missed the last four games and eight overall this season. The Blazers are 7-4 and four in games which Lillard has played and 4-5 and five in games that he's missed. Moving on, it's been 12 days since the team's last update on Gary Payton 2 which stated that he continues to recover from off-season procedure to address a core muscle injury. Throughout the progressive levels of rehab and preparation to return to gameplay, Peyton has experienced intermittent soreness. He will continue to rehab in anticipation of returning to full practice and will be reevaluated in two weeks. 
While we are coming up on that two-week point, it's worth pointing out that a, quote, return to full practice has to happen before playing in a game, and so that still might be off by a few weeks. I think at this point with Gary, the assumption is that he's going to play sometime in December, just not sure when that sometime might be. Probably worth pointing out that December would be roughly six months since Gary had that surgery to repair the core muscle injury that he's also had before, apparently. And then there's Keon Johnson, who hasn't played since November 5th with a hip pointer. We haven't really been getting the same updates about Keon that we've been getting about Gary and Damian. If Keon's out for much longer, I imagine they might start putting out those updates. Though again, my assumption from kind of just watching things has been that Keon is actually getting close to returning, but he hasn't been updated from being out in some time. So it's a little tough to figure out what the status of that injury is. And then you move on to the less long-term but still significant injuries that the Portland Trailblazers are dealing with. Josh Hart has had a left ankle issue for some time now, and in Tuesday's loss, he rolled that ankle again. He ended up returning to the game, which is a testament to Josh Hart's toughness, and ended up playing 32 minutes. But from seeing him in the locker room post-game, I'd be pretty surprised if he was going to play in Wednesday night's game versus the Lakers. Team hasn't released their injury report for that game yet, as they're on the second out of a back-to-back, so they don't have to report it till later on in the afternoon. But if he ends up playing in that game, they must be taping the heck out of that thing, because he was having a difficult time walking around the post-game locker room on Tuesday. So I would expect at this point that he's probably going to miss some games with that sprain. Hart has played in every game this season, which once again, speaks to the toughness that that guy has. Absolute competitor. However, Joshua's the only player that sustained an injury in Tuesday night's game, or at least exacerbated a pre-existing injury he already had. While it looked bad when it happened, Nasir Little said after Tuesday's loss that the right hip strain that he suffered in the second half might not have been as bad as he initially had thought, though he also noted that he wouldn't know until how he felt the next day. Not sure if that's at all related to the core muscle procedure that Nas also had back in May. If I had to guess, I would say he probably doesn't play in Wednesday night's game, though he did seem rather upbeat about his prospects post-game on Tuesday. But I also would imagine, particularly on the second out of a back-to-back, particularly with the fact that Nas has had some injury issues throughout his career, that they're probably going to take a bit of a slow approach. Slow being that he maybe isn't just going to play on the second night of a back-to-back after suffering that injury when the team had to board a plane right after the game to go to Los Angeles. A rather bumpy flight to Los Angeles, by the way, and also no Wi-Fi. And then there's Drew Eubanks, who missed the win versus the Knicks with muscle spasms in his back, though he has played in every game since, though it's still bad enough to where he's making the injury report every game. Same goes for Justice Winslow, who has been playing through a left ankle sprain. Hasn't missed any games with that since he missed some games with a non-COVID illness, but still something that's being monitored to the point where he's making the injury report. So to recap, that's seven players of the 14 guys who are under contract this season, not counting the two-way players, who have some injury right now that is either are keeping them out of games or could potentially keep them out of games. And it's tough to say if their upcoming schedule is going to help them in terms of getting healthy or hurt them in terms of getting healthy, as the Blazers started an odd schedule week by returning home on Sunday after a four-game road trip, having one day off, then playing the Clippers on Tuesday, a game that they lost, then leaving Portland once again to fly to Los Angeles, where the team that they played on Tuesday had come from, and where they are now to face the Lakers on Wednesday night. The team will then have two days off, then face the Jazz in Salt Lake City on Saturday before returning to Portland to host the Pacers in the second night of a back-to-back on Sunday. And then after that, the team has three days off before starting a three-game homestand with the Nuggets on December 8th. 
But for as tough as the last few weeks have been for the Trailblazers, they have a bunch of very winnable games coming up in December, but they'll have to get healthy if they want to recapture some of that juice they had to start the season. Their schedule in December really gives them some opportunities to make up for some of the losses they've had recently, but if they're not able to get healthy, they could just as easily end up losing some of those very winnable games. It's still relatively early, and the success they had early in the season allows them to have some of the scuffles that they're having now. But again, if they're not able to come into December and play better than they did in the last few weeks in November, going to put themselves in a difficult situation going into the new year. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. We'll be back later on this week, out with the team on the road a few days off. We'll have a chance to catch up on some of the injury issues the team has had, maybe have some updates at that point. Also talk about the Lakers game, the upcoming game versus the Jazz and the Pacers. And I've got a few short interviews with players coming up that I think you're going to be interested in hearing. So that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks so much for joining us. Like and subscribe to The Briefcase. Talk to you later this week. Take care.